Hi, welcome to the Better Late Than Never podcast, a place for people who are finding their way later in life. Today, I have an interview with Tracy Winstein. She went into treatment at 38 years old and got recovered from drugs and alcohol addiction. She's been clean and sober for 13 years. So here's the interview, and I hope you like it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Better Late Than Never podcast. I'm hanging out with one of my coworkers, Tracy Winstein, who has been clean and sober for 13 years. She has a master's degree in addiction counseling, and she's also certified to do substance abuse interventions. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Rashonda. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so we literally um, just got off from work, um, <laughs> and we thought we would hop on to bring you this podcast um, because, you know, this podcast is really about people who feel behind in life and helping them to move forward and to do the things that they want to do. Um, despite maybe having taken some detours in life and, you know, made some mistakes. I know I have. I know. Me too. Yeah. I mean, so we just want to find out today, like, what you, Tracy, have mm-hmm. done to keep yourself, you know, on the path okay. as you made your 13-year journey, you Yay. know, through sobriety, which yes. is awesome. Congratulations for that. Thank you. So, yeah, um... What if we just started with, you know, going back 13 years okay. and where okay. were you were? I mean, where, where I were you okay. 13 years ago? Okay. All right. Hi, everybody. So, and let me just say this real quick. Me staying clean and sober, I don't, I have a lot of help with it. So I don't do that alone. I have a lot of support. I'm blessed for that. I just wanted mm. to, you know, put that in there. So 13 years ago, let's see, I was, um, you know, crystal meth, crystal methamphetamine was my drug of choice. Well, that's the drug that. Um, I could say brought me to my bottom, but the truth is like I allowed the drug to bring me to my bottom, but, um, you know, I've drank, you know, I've drank, um, alcohol. You pretty much, I've done, I've pretty much done it all. So my family, um, my mother had just passed away. She died on September 18th of 2006. And, you know, naturally I did not want to feel that death. So I went to the, went to the, um, funeral. I was, I was high. I was high at the funeral and it was, it just wasn't good. And I happened to run into, um, a friend of my brother's who had just recently gotten sober and I was like, Oh my God, you look, cause he looked so good. Like he, he just looked really good. He looked healthy. He looked clean. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I told him, I said, I'm actually kind of jealous you know, and being that I was under the influence, he goes, well, I'm actually kind of jealous because you mean, you know, it was evident that I had been, you know, using. So he told my brother and my dad, he was like, listen, if there's a, you know, Tracy mentioned something to me about maybe being like, you know, meaning like there was something I wanted what he had because he had something, there was something there that was different. Right. So they basically, my, they did um intervention on me and I literally, you know, my dad's talking to me and, you know, telling, you know, just, you know, we know you've, you know, you've had a lot of trouble with drugs and, and, you know, I'm literally like, oh no, but I'm going to be okay. Like everything's going to be okay. And he's literally, he was like, they were like, no, you're not going to be okay. You know, you're numbing yourself. And my dad asked me, 
don't you want a quality life, Tracy? And for some reason, those were like, I get emotional sometimes. Those words, mm. I was like, oh my God, like I do want a quality life. Like all of a sudden, like a flashback of, you know, like what I've been doing, you know, doing drugs, selling drugs, you know, all the horrible stuff hit me. And I'm like, you know what? I do want, I do want a quality life. Now, I'd like to be able to say that I went on with my day and, you know, went to Miami because I was going to um, Miami for treatment. I'd like to say that, you know, that went really smooth. However, I was full of fear because I could not even imagine, like, living one day without dr drugs and alcohol. I just, that was, like, so foreign for me. So, I went back to my apartment and they had, the, like, the plane set up I like change I changed I changed when I was gonna get there it was terrible guys I was on the I was on the literally physically on the floor kicking and screaming and that's what my dad said to me he's like Tracy get up and I said I said I was very angry and I said something to my dad you know that I will always regret which was I effing hate you and that was my addiction talking not 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 me not Tracy and he put me on that plane and um you know he was like i don't care like i'm gonna save your life <laughs> anyway so <It's> um okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful thing I, even though at the time i literally was like no um so yeah i was just angry and so that's how i that's basically how i got there and luckily you know the friend of my brothers that i had spoken to he met me at the airport you know, kind of like made, you know, made sure that I got there and he took me to the treatment center that he went to, you know, and it was like, whoa. And so I, you know, my family, you know, they told, they told a couple of white lies about how treatment was going to go down. They said that, oh yeah, I'll be like, well, can I bring, you know, like my Xanax? Can I bring my Furacet? Oh, absolutely. First thing they did, you got any, you know, you have any medication on you? And I'm like, uh, and they took it. So I was like, okay. You know, um, I learned real quick. Like it was, it was this, it was for real. This was a real, this was a real place. <laughs> so that's how that's how I physically got there. And once I got there, I was scared. I mean, you know, I was. I mean, it was very, it was fearful. But um, I knew, I knew in my heart that I'm supposed to be here mm. because it was like, you know, I heard the way that other, you know women and men were talking because everybody that's another thing too everybody was so friendly and I'm used to people I was used to people being kind to me when they wanted something so I'm these people like oh my god like you know welcome hey you know they assigned me a big sister she was also you know methamphetamine was also her drug of choice so you know of course I immediately felt a bond and yeah it uh yeah so I knew like I said I knew I needed to be there so I hope that so, wasn't too long. <laughs> I, I would actually love to go back a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, you were describing um, the intervention. Yes. Okay. So, like, what were you feeling like when that was happening? And what oh, was going question. through your head? So, my dad was, like I said, my mother had just passed away like a month prior. Um... And oh, and let, let me add this too. This is important. I had I had gone back to school like that semester. You know, I'm older and I went back to school that semester. And you know, in my mind, because I was in school, you know, and I'm like working, you know, I'm like that makes everything okay. Like I kind of felt like that erased 
oh, I'm getting my life together. I'm back in school. That, that was erasing all the destruction that I was causing. But it doesn't. It didn't. I was just, I remember it like it was yesterday sitting there and my dad's talking and part of me, I'm not going to lie, is like, I'm listening, but, um, but I'm not listening. I mean, cause I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like this is, this is real. This, oh my God. Like they're going to, oh my God. Like literally that's what was going on. Like, oh my God, like what can I say? How can I manipulate him? You know, um, have they ever done that before? No. You know, I mean, we had talks, but you know, I was, you know. It's, um, you know, when you're a child or even, even as a grown, I mean, a grown woman, I'm still my, was my parents' child. When your child looks at you and says, no, I'm going to stop. Like, I mean, I was in, I, my intentions were to eventually stop. I had no idea how to do it, but you know, I'd be like, no, everything is okay. And I always, this is important because it's like, I always made everything look okay on the outside because I always had great jobs, you know, um, I, you know, I mean, was great at the jobs that I had. You know, I had been in management for like 20-something years. Like, you know, could like sell, as they say, like feathers to a chicken. You know, so all that looked, you know, like, okay, well, may maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not so bad because my bottom was not, I had an emotional bottom. I didn't have a bottom where I was, you know, like living under the bridge. Now, I'm not above that either. You know, you know like make no mistake. So that is what I think it, it didn't look as, um, it didn't look as, uh, destructive mm -hmm. as it really was mm -hmm. inside. I understand. Yeah. 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 Thank you for, um, sharing all of that. And Absolutely. so you went to the treatment center in Miami mm -hmm. and that's how you got sober, sober. Mm -hmm. So uh, you want me to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Okay. okay. So you now <laughs> I get there. And first of all, I literally basically slept like the first couple of days because I was coming down. Mm -hmm. So when I actually, you know, was able to be, you know, be alert and they were understanding about that. And I like, you know, they didn't make me feel, everybody was like, all right, you know, you're coming off methamphetamine. We understand, you know, I didn't have to go through detox because there's no, at least for me, I don't want to speak for anybody else. Um, I didn't need detox for that. So, but, you know. I was just slept a lot. But anyway, I can remember, you know, um, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and um, Narcotics Anonymous brought me, we went to meetings outside, but they also brought meetings inside in the treatment center. And I can remember listening to this guy, and I, I knew who it was too, too. And um, he's like, his name was Mike, it's all I'm going to say. And he said, man, you know, I, you know, I was just, I was a shell of a person. And literally, this has went through my head. Oh, that poor darling. He's a shell of a... I don't even know what that means. Like, I I thought I was so unique. Is what I'm trying to get at. Like, well, that's not... You know, no. I mean, I have it together. You know, I just like getting high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the treatment center that I went to, a lot of the people that um, went there were, like, East Coast. And at the time... I'm not sure what now, but anyway, most of the people that were there, I was from New Orleans, but the people there were East Coast, and the preferred drug, it seemed like, was um, either, you know, like crack or heroin, pain pills, so it was me and two other people in the whole treatment center at that time that were like, you know, that meth was our drug of choice, so I immediately separate, like, separated myself, kind of like, you know, um, in that that right there that's that's I mean uh, we're all exactly the same 
you know, mm. I, but I started, that's, that's the point that was brought to me. They said, cause I'm like, Oh, you know, well, I mean, you know, my story's different. It's like your story's the same, the feelings that you have. And you've heard me say this at work. It's like, Tracy focus on the similarities, not the differences with these people. And I'm like, Oh, and focus on the feelings that they had attached to the experiences that they've gone through. It's the same as yours. And I'm like, it was, you know, feeling less than, you know, uh, just, you know, like I'm not enough. Like, oh my, you know, like, oh my God, like these people are actually going to find out mm -hmm. that, you know, who I really am. But it's like, they were just like me. Mm -hmm. And I have to say this, my entire life, I felt like the black sheep of the family. When I walked into that treatment center and felt that love, it was me and a bunch of black sheeps. And it felt amazing. Mm. You know, it was like, okay, so like, they're just like me. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so, after getting sober, mm -hmm. um, I'm, it, I was gonna say, it, and, I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't easy. You know, um, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm just, I'll say this real quick which I thought was, yeah, this is important. So my family, you know, they lied, which is what they needed to do. They said, oh, you're only going to be there for 28 days. So I'm like, okay, so I'm counting, you know, counting the days down. But keep in mind, I'm starting to have a little fun. Oh, and also, I also was able to um, have the opportunity to do some, like, grieving work for my mother because she had just passed away. So that was very, very beneficial. I mean, I cried my eyes out all the time. But then we get back to the apartments you know, because we, we lived in apartments, and it was like, we had, we, I mean, we had fun. We did. So, what was I going to say? Talking about, oh, we started to have fun. So, I remember calling home. I called my dad, and I said, all right, Dad, my 28 days is up on such and such date. I um, I got sober October 21st, 2006. You know, my 28 days is up such and such. He said, okay, this is the deal. My, he, my dad knew exactly how to play me. He said, all right, Tracy. You're going to come home and you're going to get a job. Well, you know, you're going to get a job. You're going to go to school. He's like, literally like you are going, you're going to, basically you're going to have to like pay your, you know, pay your own way. And you know, like, of course, these are the things that somebody of my age should be doing anyway. But I was like, Whoa. so I'm on the phone and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, hold up. That don't sound good. I can just stay here. You know, you know, like I can stay here. I can get on the little druggy buggy. That's what we call the little the little bus that brought us to the treatment center. You know, I'm having fun. Like I'm staying. And he's like, okay, so you, you've made the decision to say yes, sir. Oh, great. And he's like, Trish, you want to stay anyway? But um, but this is what I this is why I bring that up. That was so important. He said, you know what, Tracy? He said, I'm gonna tell you. He said, this is not all your fault. And I said, what do you mean? He said me and your mother have enabled you your entire life and I was like oh you know and he and of course you know I had been hearing that word mm -hmm. he's like you know we kept rescuing you basically we you know anytime you know we rescue you we turn we turned a blind eye you know we did we did all that and so you know we do play a part in it you know and I was like wow you know and you know that made me feel that actually made me feel not so like useless you know, when he said that, because, you know, mm. family and loved ones can, that enabling role is, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, I feel like whenever 
we have situations like that where, you know, like I've shared with you that, you know, I struggled with compulsive overeating mm-hmm. for 10 years mm-hmm. and I made a decision that I was going to do something different, you know, turn, change things. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that once I made that decision, it's not like, you know, it's not like all your problems go away. It's not like life just suddenly gets magically perfect, you know? And so, you know, I want to know, like, how did you, you know, get through the last 13 years? I I got, no, I got you. The first thing that, one of the first things that I had to learn, because literally like, I, I, you know, once I was like, okay, like, Oh my God, I have a, you know, I do have a real problem and I'm, you know, I'm listening to all these other people talking and, you know, we were all on the same page. I was willing to be like, okay, like, okay, there's, 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 there's an issue here. But one of the things that they kept saying to us was that, and it took me a minute to kind of get it, was that alcohol and drugs or whether it be men gambling food, those are symptoms to the root of the issue. And guess what? I was the root. So they would say, oh, you know, and I didn't get that at first, and then I did get it because it made sense to me. It's like, okay, so here I am. I'm Tracy. All right. So you take, if, if, I, can, if I don't have, like, yeah, lock me up in treatment, but, but it wasn't even a lockup. Like, you could literally walk out the door if you wanted. I mean, that wasn't suggested. But anyway, take the drugs and alcohol away from me. And, okay, um, here I am. But nothing's changed. Like, I'm still... Tracy, I'm still going to have those thoughts. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been taught my coping skills, you know, how to process through, you know, all this. So, so what kinds of thoughts were those? Um, like what were you left with? Wow. Like that. I was left with the woman that, you know, I know that deep down inside, like I always wanted to be, um, somebody who was kind you know, like, you know, this was a place where they taught me total acts of altruism. You know, like I said, you know, I, we mean, I, you know, they're like, see that girl over there? She's new. You're going to walk over there. You're going to introduce yourself to her just like you were welcomed here. And, you know, you go, you know, you're going to, you're going to give her, um, you know, like, you know, get her, so whatever, you know, like you're going to welcome her. And I'd be like, I don't want to do that. Not, not because, because of her, but because of me, because I felt like fear and so that's what I did. So it was constantly, they would tell us like they had us, they had us actually all living in, like we lived in apartments together and we had to kind of learn how to live life on life's terms together. Okay. So you're dealing with, we had four, four of us, two in each, two in each room. You're dealing with four women, you know, we don't know each other, but we do have, you know, the commonality of the disease. And so it was kind of like we just kind of had to learn how to deal and it was actually I wanted to say this before what I went to was called uh, transitions the name of it it's a reality based treatment center Mm -hmm. and that's like you know learning how to live life on life's terms so how what would go on in my head is like I I remember saying this too I was like all right I'm just gonna do literally whatever y'all tell me to do and if it doesn't work out I'm gonna blame it on y'all and they're like okay that's cool and like they would make the suggestions like literally I had to be taught how to in some ways even I couldn't even talk correctly anymore that's how messed up my brain was from the drugs so you know it was like I had to, I literally had to be taught how to like be a grown up 
you know, on some level. Because it was like, I mean, I knew how, and of course I knew how, and I know this sounds, you know, insane, but it's like, I, of course I knew how to brush my teeth, and I knew, you know, I, I did all those things. My hygiene, I don't know if it's because of method, I don't know. My hygiene never went to the, like, never went to the wayside. Like, I still went and got my hair done. I took vitamins. Like, that part of me was still intact. Because, again, you know, we got, this always needs to look good. Hmm. So, but, like, other stuff I didn't know how to do. Um, I definitely didn't know how to handle a situation where if me and somebody else are, like, not agreeing on something, I didn't know how to handle that, like, without being like, eh, you know, like, and I remember they told me I couldn't say for a while there, they were like, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear out your mouth, things like, oh, I know, and like, I'm like, I can't say I know, they're like, no, you can't say I know, so it was like little, they, I'm trying to think what else, like, they literally gave us tools of things that we had to work on, different people individually, and so I had to listen to that, and at, you know, I was willing to, at this point, y'all, I was, you know, because I was starting to feel something, I was willing to do whatever the hell they told me I needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and like one, one thing that was really good is we didn't have access to cell phones, we didn't have access to our computers. You know, they took all that away. Um, it was strictly about me working on Tracy. So, you know, I would just I would listen to people, and you know, I would listen to people talk about, you know, like, of course, you know. It was interesting for me to hear everybody's um, drinking drug log. Okay, but then it got to a point where that didn't really, that wasn't all that interesting to me anymore. What I wanted to hear was how people were getting through day-to-day things without using drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. That became really powerful for me because I'm like, oh my God, like this, I remember this lady's father died. I'm like, and she's not using? Like, oh my God. You know, but she, you know, she had support. You know, she was able to get through it. You know, she was able to sit in her feelings. And that Sitting in my feelings is a huge, huge piece to all this because I got to sit in my feelings and I got to cry. And at first, like when I would start crying, they nobody, we weren't allowed to comfort each other because we had to feel it. And that's like, it sucks, but it was powerful. Mm. You know, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, just crying about my mom or whatever the situation was. And they would just be like, okay, you know, like, keep going like literally like okay like we'll see you know we're here for you you know we're here for you just cry get it out and I had never experienced that in my life because to me crying was like oh my god you're weak Mm. you know of course I cried but not in front of anybody and I also had to learn how to trust people and there was something in me you know I say it's my higher power that was like you know what Trace you're gonna you're these are the people these are the people you're gonna trust Mm. you know you know, the um, other people like you. And I did, I I didn't, like I was willing to be open and trust and like have trust in these people because, you, because I was seeing the changes. Like, you know, people can tell you they're gonna change all day, but I'm seeing people making changes. You know, I'm seeing, you know, this is a real powerful story. Um, I'm seeing the woman who is in, you know, we had gender group too. We'd break off and go to, um, you know, gender group. So we're in gender group one time. Are you saying gender? Yeah, gender. I'm sorry. Okay. Like all women's group. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls that had went to the um, treatment center that I went to, she was like alumni, but she, you know, she'd come to gender group. She was, yeah, she was crying her eyes out because her daughter wanted nothing to do with, like nothing to do with her. It was bad. 
you know, and she's crying her eyes out. And the counselor's going, but you just got to keep doing the next right thing. You just, this, you know, you got to stay sober. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. It, it's, it's going to happen. You know, you just, you, you got to this, you got that. Well, I remember the day that her daughter came to visit. I mean, they're like, their, their relationship now is amazing. Mm -hmm. That right there, I was like, okay, this thing that really does work. Cause I saw her pain and then I saw how, you know, her daughter came to Florida mm -hmm. and their, you know, their relationship. And that mm -hmm. was like, and I actually sent her a message. I guess it's been about maybe four or five months ago telling her that I'm like, I just want you to know how powerful that was for me, mm. you know, to see that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I started seeing, I started seeing like the miracles. Yeah. You know, working right in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We were talking about that when we were getting ready for today. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to actually come back to that because there's sure. a couple of things that you said, um, you were talking about, you know, trusting people, mm -hmm. but. You know, another thing that I heard in that was that you had a a support system mm -hmm. of people, but it wasn't just a support system. It was people who were also on the same path as yeah. you and who were, like, supporting you in a way that is really often pretty hard. Like, it's not something that the average person right. will do. You know, the average person won't call you on your bullshit and, like, say, right. no, yep. no, that's not really the best thing for you like you know and kind of keep you in check that was that's helped me tremendously being yeah not cosign that's what they say i'm not cosigning your bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that is actually you know a huge impetus for this podcast mm -hmm. is that i think that there are many people who are on the same path yes oh yeah and who can you know maybe feel isolated feel um separated from mm -hmm. you know the rest of society yeah. as they're trying to make these changes that are really hard and also like I feel like people who have dealt with some type of addiction you know I feel the compulsive or reading that is an addiction right. um I feel like there's all there's also so much shame mm -hmm. that went along with that you know oh, and absolutely. it can be so easy to beat yourself up oh absolutely and so if you have other people who are supporting you, mm -hmm. you know, people that maybe mentor you and people that you're mentoring also. Right. And I right. feel like that relationship can really it's help huge. you stay, you know, oh, stay on your right. game. You know, no, stay no, you're right. Absolutely. No, you're right. Going. Yeah. Absolutely. And something they would tell us too, which and it worked for me. They would say, your secrets will keep you sick. And that's like, I have chills just saying that. And it was like, you know, we, you know, it, we had to be able, we had to be willing to talk about the dark, the ugly, the real, you know, the shame, the be, the shame, mm -hmm. guilt stuff. It, but when I did, like nobody, nope, I was loved. Like no one said, "Oh my God, I'm appalled." You know, <laughs> you know, like it was more like, okay. And that's what I do, like with you know, people that I sponsor, and then you know, like with clients, it's like, okay, it's okay. Like that was huge too. The way that those people were at that treatment center, you know, the counselors, the other people there, like, they were so, like, they loved us, you know, be, just because, like, almost like, because, because we were fellow addicts, you know, well, mm -hmm. so not all the counselors were addicts, but anyway, it was like, you know, nobody ever made me feel like what I did was, like, horrible, it was like, 
you have a disease. Now you are responsible, you know, you know, to, you know, to um, keep on track of it. Like that doesn't get me out of the bad behaviors I did, but it was like, we're going to look at like why you did them. Mm -hmm. I learned so much about what, why did I do this? Why did I do that? You know? Right. And that was powerful. Yeah. I just, I never felt, you know, it started to get to the point where I just, you know, I mean, of course I had a little bit of shame, but like, I was like, yeah, you know, I can talk about this to these people. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. And that is a really, it's really huge. good point because it really has to be the right people. Definitely. You know, um, there were times in my life where, you know, I've shared and it could be even considered maybe oversharing, you know? Right, right, right. And I have a tendency, yeah. Yeah, it's not that you want to just like go run and find you know, any person who mm-hmm. would be willing to listen to right. this story, if you will, like your story, but finding the right people, you know, it could be that maybe there's, you know, a religious, um, maybe a minister or a preacher mm-hmm. who you trust, you know, who you gotcha. can share. And, you know, that idea of confession, like I'm not a religious person, right. but I do strongly believe in confessional Absolutely. and I have a therapist and one of the things she talks about is having a confessional lifestyle. Okay. Okay. And it really has been, like um, important, you know, mm-hmm. that I constantly, um, keep that, um, like, at the front like I don't keep those things pushed down anymore. Right. You know, I, anytime, if there's something that I feel ashamed about, the first thing I'm going to do is tell somebody, yep. you know, I'm not going to let that sit there right. and fester. One of my favorite, um, authors, um, and researchers is this woman named Renee Brown. And she has this quote that I think of, which is that like shame can't exist in the light, wow. you know, it just, it eviscerates right. it, you know? So I think that's a really great point. Um, and then, you know, another thing that you talked about was doing the next right thing. So can you talk more about that? Sure. So, like I said, you know, you know, all, you know, these new, these new coping skills that I was developing, you know, they, um, I was in inpatient treatment for three and a half months. You know, they started inpatient, you know, because it was literally like I would, I was, you know, I was safe there. I was, I started to realize that like I'm away from, you know, like everybody, you know, Cause starting to think about like, oh my God, like when I do go out into society, like, oh my God, like how is this going to go down? Anyway, so the next right thing. So it was like, okay, like my goal probably at that time was literally some days it was just to be able to stay sober for another 24 hours, you know, or whatever the, you know, whatever it may be, talk about something or, you know, you know, help somebody else. Um, trying to think other stuff, you know, like. God, it's so much up. But anyway, the next right thing, I, and I heard that constantly. And, you know, and I, I still hear it today. And I heard it, you know, my entire sobriety. And I'm, you know, at first I'm like, oh, Jesus. You know, that's boring. But, um, no, it just meant like, all right, let me see how to say this. I almost have to do backwards. Like, a, okay. So I don't always know what the right thing to do is, but I definitely know what the wrong thing is. Because, for one thing, it just doesn't feel right. Like, for instance, the store. So, I have a story. So, when I was living in Miami, I was working at the Starbucks in Miami. And one of my coworkers there found a wallet. And we were like a little kiosk Starbucks. So, we were in the mall. And he found a wallet. And it had $200 in it. And he was like, yo, you know, like, you know, hey, 50 for you, Trace. You know, 
And I'm not going to lie, of course, at first, because I'm like, oh, yeah. Wait a minute, hold up. 50? 50. He said it was Well, he was going to split, like, four, like, the four, four oh, yeah, okay. yeah, okay, all right. I'm like, no, no, right? But I'm going to tell you exactly what went through my head. There was, um, there's this, um, this oil that Aveda makes called Love. I loved it years ago, and I was, and I wanted some of that. So that's for, I went, oh, I can go get my little bottle of love. But then something in me said, no, Trace. I had to think about it, and I said, no. I said, here you are working on yourself. You're this woman in recovery, trying to become, you know, trying to do things differently and taking that money is not right. Mm. And I was like, okay. And you know, I, and, and things like that started to give me my self-esteem back mm -hmm. because I would hear also in the meetings or, or from who, uh, whomever, you got to do esteemable things to get us to to work on your self-esteem and to mm -hmm. me that was an esteemable act mm -hmm. that too come to think of it did have a lot to do with the next right thing like I like put those together because I would hear uh, you know I would hear esteem you know esteemable acts esteemable acts learning how to do stuff for people without anything you know in return mm -hmm. um you know just like I would I would look at whatever it is you know whatever goal whatever it is that I was working on the direction that I was trying to go to become this woman that I would you know you know would love again mm -hmm. and if the behavior that I was thinking about doing was not in alignment with that that's not the next right thing mm -hmm. and of course I, I mean it was uncomfortable you know in some ways it was very uncomfortable because I was kind of used to doing like the easy way mm -hmm. but it was uncomfortable but doing the next right thing felt really good and like I said I started that self-esteem started building back mm -hmm. up you know that self-love and the more I had that the more I was able to like you know give and show to other people right you know? so yeah, I love that it seems like what you're saying is like in that situation doing the next right thing it was like your kind of trigger for doing the next right thing was recognizing what the wrong thing was in that moment right. you know realizing okay this is not in alignment with what I want to be you know this is not um this isn't a choice that this is a choice that I've decided I'm not making anymore um and when when that because like I feel like that happens all the time oh, like yeah. all of us go through right. have those moments just... all throughout the day it's like, like hmm. I remember hearing someone give this example and I thought it was brilliant um that like you know, imagine you've decided, okay, I'm going to work out, you know, four days a week from now on, and you're on your way home from work, and you see the gym as you're driving by, and something in you says, oh, I'm supposed to be going to the gym right now. Right, right, right. And then, you know, it's like, today. in that moment, what do you do? Do you do you pull, go ahead and pull mm -hmm. over and go to the gym, or do you just keep going and, you know, drive home? Right. And it's like, a moment like that, you know, it's an opportunity right. to think well what is the next right thing mm -hmm. and granted sometimes the next right thing it might be okay I've worked you know a 14 hour day today yeah and I really do need to go rest mm -hmm. but just I think just that pause the awareness for yourself that's, yeah the awareness know, I was gonna and say, just I, taking yep. a beat and really checking in and find and figuring that out instead right. of just making a decision um, mindlessly, you know, right. or just doing what's easy, just to do what's yep. easy. Definitely. And it's funny you say that 
That's a great, that is a great example. Because I'm sitting here right now because I changed into my gym clothes and I'm supposed to be hitting the gym mm-hmm. on the way up. And in order to get myself to go, I literally have to be like, come on, Trace. You, you've never left that gym feeling down. Like anytime I ever leave the gym, I'm like, yes, I went. And it's like, you know, got endorphins, you know, more, you know, it's like, I just, mm-hmm. I feel fantastic. And getting to the other, doing the next right thing, getting to, you know, the other side of, you know, whatever the trigger may be, getting to the other side of it, that, that's an amazing feeling. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, like I did, you know, like actually, you know, calling, having to call up creditors and stuff like that and and say, yo, you know, I got to make an amends, you know, a financial amends, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I was never in a million years I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, but the next right thing was to, you know, was to do those things. Like, mm-hmm. I, the more I started to, and again, you have to remember, I had, you know, people who have come before me, you know, and, you know, normal people too, not just addicts, but I, here I am watching these people who destroyed their life and they're doing the next right thing and they're getting the things back. Right. Of course, you know, getting things back better than they could even dream. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, that. Yeah, and that's been my experience, too. It's awesome. It's really interesting how it really is. And, you know, you hear this all the time, and it's really hard to believe. And I think, like, part of the things, part of what made it so hard to believe for me in my past was because I had something that I was using to, you know, numb myself and to distract myself so that I didn't have to deal with actual life, you know? Yeah. And, but now that I am like a part of real life mm-hmm. um, functioning member of society yes yeah. uh, now I see how it's really just these little moments that matter that's all that really does matter it's those little moments that add up nobody who is successful at anything mm-hmm. got there by the snap of a finger right. you know they they put in the work they put in the time they made those choices those positive choices over and over and over and over again and the thing is that like we feel like it's going to take forever yes you know but the truth is that when you go slower it's a smoother journey and smooth is actually fast (laughs) you're right about that yeah that's true you'll, you'll be surprised at how much progress actually happens right from taking it slow and you know looking at these bite-sized right chunks instead of you know yep. taking on the I world. I love that. Yeah, and also too, and I say this all the time. I'm like, okay, like going through, like you said, you have to do the work. You know, um, that's what I call. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm in the process. I'm in the process. You know, I have this goal. I'm, I'm working through it, and oh, it's like along the way. Okay, perfect example. I've been with Starbucks for eleven and a half. 11 and a half years and it's like you know never in a million years that I think I'd still be at Starbucks mm-hmm. however you know I need you know Starbucks for um my um you know for my um benefits but anyway instead of looking at it like oh god I'm still you know I had to look I have to look at it like you know what I get to go to work I'm at Starbucks I love the people I work with and along every single solitary day here at Starbucks like I can make a moment whether it's with one of you, a coworker, you know, I can, there's moments that I can create that whoever's going to, customer, whoever's going to walk away from it, they're going to walk away from it feeling good. Mm -hmm. Like it's little bitty tiny stories, Mm -hmm. you know, that, um, you know, instead of looking at 
the finish goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I finally, I'm able to be like, forget about the destination. I mean, not forget about the destination, but the destination, uh, I'll get there. It's, you know, the process and the journey. Right. And yeah, it's the little things like you're saying, and it does go smoother. And what an amazing thing it is for me to finally, to have finally learned that failure is part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, you know, like you said, you don't snap your fingers. Anybody I know that's worked really, really hard to get where they wanted to be, like, it's, there's a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of obstacles, but they kept going. Right. You know, you keep, you just keep going. Like, simple as you put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and I think that's where, again, do the next right thing yes. comes back into play. You know, it's really, really such a powerful um, way of living. Just do the next right thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And stay in the now, which to me in a lot of ways, you know, is like, I always say, okay, let me stay in the now. Let me stay in the now. Because the tree, you know, and you hear people say, oh, you know, tomorrow's not here. Uh, yesterday's gone. Yeah, it is. But it's not always easy. But I feel like I've, you know, I've learned how to literally be like, okay, so like, I, you know, I can't worry about, I can't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. All I can do for today is do the next right thing. You know, like put, you know, do the work that I, I can only control the controllables. You know, like what, what part of this situation, whatever, can Tracy control? Okay. Only Tracy. You know, it's like, can't control people. You know, I can't magically you know, snap my fingers and like, everything's going to work out. You know, I just kind of have to do the next right thing and, you know, let, and that, that's another thing I think that's huge is, you know, you got to let people be who they are. Like I, you know, it's just, and sometimes, you know, uh, not sometimes, shoot, all the time. That can be hard. Like when you're like, oh, maybe they shouldn't be doing that because this may happen, whatever. But you know what? That's their story. That's their journey, you know, in life. You know what I mean? Like who am I to... You know, you know, maybe they have to, maybe what they're doing is like, we, like, it does end up that probably didn't work out for them. However, what it did was it, you know, it built maybe something up in them. It allowed them to be able, you know, it, it helped them, you know, it's like that, you know, they I always say there's pain before growth. Totally, totally. I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. And I was that person that literally felt like I just, you know, like, I don't so, you know, I'd pop a pill or whatever it was. Like, I would just do whatever to numb it. Yeah. I think, like, letting pain be a teacher. Yes. You know, letting it be a compa- compass. Um, same thing like what you were saying about discomfort, you know. Mm-hmm. You were talking about how uncomfortable it was, like, whenever you were, you know, making a choice to turn down free money. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if I'm not uncomfortable then I'm not growing, you know, I'm not really doing what I want to be doing because I know that I want to, you know, I want to express myself. Mm -hmm. I want to make things, you know, I want to have an impact on other people. Um, and I can't do that if I'm comfortable. No, you know, you can't, no, you're right. You can't, you can't. Nope. Literally you cannot. Nope. You're right about that. Yeah. You can't make a change if you're, if you're comfortable. Yep. No, you can't. And, and you see, you know, like, and I remember my, my, um, counselor telling me, cause, um, I said, Oh my God, everything's going good and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, okay. So you got to the other side. She's like, but there's stuff, other stuff coming. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Tracy peaks and valleys. Like, 
you're you're you know you're feeling good right now but like there's gonna be there's gonna be something else that pops up and you're gonna get past it but you know it's it's not always gonna be you know um oh, everything's great you know like just stuff happens and she was like but guess what now you have you know like some coping skills some tools to be able to get to the other side of it and it becomes easier and you know what she was right she was definitely right and when I took Buddhism at Tulane I remember the professor saying that he's like you know everybody hears the phrase this too shall pass when we're talking about painful moments he's like but what about this too shall pass you know when we're talking about like happiness like joy that we experience like mm -hmm. Don't get too attached to that because yeah. something's going to come up and, you know, you need to be able to function. And that I was like, wow, you know, just the way they looked at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Life is, it's okay. <laughs> you know, and of course I still have a ton to learn, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, by no means, you know, I just try to stay aware and mm -hmm. do the next right thing. Mm, those two things are huge, are huge and are. I think what, um, that's a really great way to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. um, and before I let you go, um, is there any kind of nugget that you want to leave with listeners? Mm -hmm. um, you know, just maybe a quick, um, maybe go-to mantra that you have or okay. one main idea okay. that you want people okay. to take away. And then after that, um, if you can let people know where to find what you're working on these okay. days, you know, sure. where they can, absolutely, you know, okay. learn more from you or. So one of the things that I, and again, with this, and this falls into the awareness, but one of the things that I have to think about is when situation going on, um, and I'm making a decision maybe you know somebody says something like I don't like or whatever I have to I ask myself Trace are you you know are you basing this on emotion or fact like I you know like I need to be okay because I know how my head you know thinks sometimes like you know you, like oh my god you know like you get the fear like oh my god what's gonna happen it's like I have to be like okay whoa stay in the moment you know and you know look at perfect example like it's a lot relationships for instance you know what I'm saying you know it's like we automatically want to go to um you know a situation where oh my god you know well you know this person's probably probably out doing this or probably out doing that or they said this and you know and it's like stop and tell me a lot of time I'm like just stop but it's like you know when you're when you're thinking about things you need to stop and say okay is what I'm feeling inside is it a fact or is it based on my emotion because when my when my perception comes from my emotion I tend to make decisions that aren't healthy for me or maybe not even healthy you know like for you know whoever you know um, the other person and you know you may say something that's like kind of hurtful you know you know what I'm trying to say you know it's like I, I do try to do that I almost have no I don't almost I have a checklist you know like when I'm like oh my god Trace like I'm starting to feel this way blah 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 I don't like the way I feel right now and I like go through my checklist I'm like okay number one thing my higher power didn't bring me here you know to, you know to like he didn't bring me this far you know for me to fall he's got something for me then I'll start the you know why am I thinking like this why am I thinking negatively you know, and it's like, because typically it's because it's coming from, you know, like maybe my ego got a little deflated or somebody hurt my feelings. 
but I noticed that like I don't take stuff near as like personal as I used to and that's huge mm. I'm like okay because again like people people have people have stuff you know like it's not fair for me to think that you know like of course people have stuff and people got stuff going on and it's you know what it does not have to be about Tracy Winstein anymore it did at one time I thought but it's it doesn't you know what I'm saying it just doesn't it's like okay you got stuff that's fine you know you know when you know if I'm here for you if you need me but that's like that's an amazing amazing way to be able to live I feel like is not taking stuff personally you know and just like I said you know question like you said I'm a questioner question myself like where is where is this thought or idea coming from mm -hmm. you know and look that's yeah that was, yeah. A, probably, was probably a whole lot a little bit more than a mantra a little long mantra. <laughs> but anyway but no so yeah that's it you know like you know try not to act on emotion mm -hmm. you know, no, try to look go. at the facts yeah. try to look at the facts try look, to look at the emotion yeah. yeah you know look at that like is there evidence of what you're thinking is you know even going on right you know because um you know sometimes I'm like all right Trace like is this real is it skewed you know where's it coming from and that I'm it helps me tremendously because seriously nobody's sitting at home right now thinking about like okay I'm gonna get I'm gonna um you know do something horrible to Tracy you know when so you know what I'm trying to say like I'm just not that important you know it's like everybody's out living their life right now that's great you know yeah so and um the way to find me I'd say for now the easiest way would be uh, Facebook um my, it's T-R-A-C-E-Y W-I-N-D S-T-E-I-N um you can like contact me via messenger Facebook I think that's just for now because mm -hmm. I do have oh I'll, I have my my business page which is Tracy Winstein Choices LLC so either okay. one you can find me on and you know send a messenger or you know what have yeah and I'll be more than happy to you know call you back okay thank you yeah, so thank much. you I'm a talker gosh <laughs> all right cool bye bye thanks for listening I hope you found something useful in this interview today if there's anything that you would like me to talk about in future episodes someone maybe that you would like me to interview please reach out to me at rashondagates at gmail.com that's R-E-S-H-A-N-D-A-Y-A-T-E-S at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Thanks, and I'll catch you next time on the Better Late Than Never podcast. Bye.